and you can live in the day. Welcome to the show, Man in the Making, episode uh, 742. <laughs> 43 now, yeah. What is it, 63? 743. <laughs> I think it's like, must be 70. It's uh, 64 so far, I believe. Welcome to the 64th episode. 65th, sorry. No, 65th episode yeah. of Man in the Making <laughs> with Rokas and Raj. So great to be here, Rokas. Yes, I'm happy that we've gotten this far and hopefully to many more. Me too. We, we've, we've actually gotten a lot of positive feedback. Only one negative feedback, I think, in my history. And it was on audio quality. It was on, it was yeah. on the way we sounded. So I would agree with that. Some rough, we had some rough yeah. podcasts. Indeed. We had, guest interviews they were outside the wind was blowing (laughs) cutting in and out and you know we just try to grab people sometimes and record them so it doesn't always work out but a lot of very fair feedback though yeah that is fair and that's the feedback that we want please feel free to email mostly i just get text messages from from listeners uh some you know the random people that listen they come into me, they come to me via Facebook. They find me on Facebook first. They don't mm-hmm. email, they don't look at the show notes that says email Raj at Rajashakara.com or we had a we had a a man in the making email. I mean, no one used that. So people just that must just be what people do. They Google us or something and then they find me on Facebook. Maybe yeah. you know. Hopefully they find you. You're uh, you're available, right? You don't I even don't know what to say about that because I don't know like when people are adding me for podcasts or when it's just random people. So I don't know. I just tend to have everything on private and not really accept people. I don't know. Yeah, you don't have to. It doesn't matter. It gets weird sometimes. Have people, you know? Um, I don't have a huge following on Instagram, but. Every time I get another hundred or so followers, it just, it comes with people that, I don't know, they don't have good intentions when they start messaging you or they just there to sell you something or they just don't have anything to do. So I, I try to make myself reachable, available, but mm-hmm. it just, sometimes it backfires on me. So I can definitely understand why some public figures are very hard to reach, but luckily I haven't really gotten to that point. Still just a normal average fella. All right. Uh, First thing I wanted to mention to all you listeners is Zen Mind Academy just finished its first official fundraiser as an official 501c3. And that was via Facebook. So thank you to Facebook. First of all, thank you to big brother for uh, letting us fundraise on their platform. I know Facebook, I know Zuckerberg and, and big data. There's controversy there, but I don't know. At the end of the day, I've been able to really capitalize on these free services. And, you know, if, uh, 
if, if eventually one day we get paid for our data, that's great. But if not, I'm, I'm making the most of it. And uh, Facebook recognizes uh, ZenMind Academy as a 501c3 charitable organization. And you can donate to ZenMind via Facebook, super secure and legit. And then you can write it off on your taxes, which is wonderful. We just secured our first fundraiser for our digital assets and our digital landscape for 2021. So our academy and our website and on WordPress and everything, uh, SiteGround, all of that is going to be taken care of this year. So we won't have to lose any money for that. Thank you to the, the donors. Uh, this is really a people mission. And it works through people. With, without people, we wouldn't be doing this. That was that's that's where I wanted to start the show. Nice. <clears throat> Any updates for you, Rokas? Um, as a man in the making, just working every day, slowly progressing, and looking back, let's say, yeah, now I can definitely see a change in myself. That I'm happier. Awesome. So I'm, I'm glad you said that. Looking back a year. Um, a lot of people, they don't do that. They look at the the day-to-day. -day. They look at like where they were an hour ago and you can't do that. That's like, it's, it's like looking at stocks an hour ago and thinking that that's the, the whole portfolio or the whole timeline. Um, we have, my guru told me that we have to, we have to compare ourselves with, with years of difference in order to actually get a clear picture a clear data set of who we become who we are becoming and how we're progressing or maybe backsliding so i was just talking to a, a student of zen mind the other day and you know he's been we've been working together since 2015 and he is struggling with some things and i said all right well let's zoom out because he has a tendency to look at the week and uh, look at the month. And I said, let's, let's, let's zoom out. Let's look at 2015 where we are now. It's six years later. Um, you know, where are we here and where we started and we started in a really bad place and we can honestly say that this is a, a different person six years later. Okay, five years, four years, three years. Let's let's go to all these data points and see where we started to go south and stop making as much progress. And um, sure enough, it gives you a better perspective on progress. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot can happen in the short term as well, unexpected things. So you oh, can't yeah. really... Yeah, it's only when you look back on like a more distant past that you can actually see the change properly. Yeah, um, I can, yeah. I can look at, go ahead. Um, no, it was just a small thing I was going to add. Um, that I forgot now. So carry on. I can, I can look at my own situation. And if I look too closely in a too short of a timeline, um, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not always that great, especially mm -hmm. with, with work. Um, you know, but if I go back out a few weeks and a few months and I start to see that, you know, okay, 
we missed a few mornings here. We missed a few disciplines here, but in the overall, still on point and still making progress and just, you know, got to roll with the punches basically. As so long as you <clears throat> get back on track eventually. I think that's because I, I teach to a lot of people in the UK fitness groups and stuff on Facebook. Um, and they get people get beat down because one one day, two days a week or something, they miss their discipline and they feel like their self-esteem just plummets down to the bottom. And we don't want that to happen. We don't want to feel good about making a mistake, but we also we also don't want to feel like we're the worst person in the world just because we're human. There's a balance. So that's a really good transition to an episode on failure. Do you like how I did that? Yeah, that was really good. So thank you. Would it be too broad to start with what is failure? Well, we can always try as I shuffle the papers on the desk and Try to organize things for Helena. So what is <clears throat> failure? I mean, you know, the traditional definition of failure is, is just giving up. It's interesting you said that. Okay. So, you, yeah, but I don't think that's a transition. The traditional definition, because failure to other people would be not succeeding in something. Oh, you're right. So, and, and then... Because if they keep trying, then you're saying they're not failing. But to them, the first mistake they make, that's failure. Yeah, you're right. So, yeah. yeah, it's it's so different um, with the different mindsets. So for me, I I have this belief that failure is is just completely, you know, an, an, an ending to progress in that that thing. And, and a, not a reversal, a, a stop, like a death, you know, Pro I don't think there'd be a mistake in real estate if you couldn't or have never flipped your houses or whatever. Um, the There wouldn't be a failure to me. It would just be a, a, you know, a learning process. But to say, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore. You know, that's a, that's an extreme pivot and that could be a failure on, on, on your part. And it, you know, maybe not though, maybe that energy is just pivoted to something else. Why does failure have such an impact on the majority of people? Is it because they lose social, they feel like they're losing social status and value to other people? Status is huge. It's huge how, how you're how you're seen with other people and you know your self-esteem is gone um your self-worth follows so you people kind of live off status and how they how they see themselves and how the world sees them there's an ego battle there and once we get rid of that that incorrect self-perception that misidentification with what we really are and, and what we're supposed to do um we can kind of overcome failure and and overcome 
uh, especially the fear of things. But these these things can all be transcended to the point where there is no failure. It's 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 a it's a broad statement. I know. Um, but I mean, I don't really, and that's what I was kind of thinking as I said that real estate thing. Let's say you stopped real estate altogether because you couldn't do it. I don't even know if I'd consider that failure. Like I look at life as in multiple lives. I don't know if I even agree or believe in failure because I know that you will die and go into another body and try again and again and again, as many grains of sand on a beach is, is how many times you'll live, exist as an individual entity. So before becoming the ocean. So in that sense, is, is there failure in the long term? No, no. Hindus actually don't believe in that. So failure in the short term, if we, if we have to define it, which we do, you know, you're, it would, I guess, be a, a, a small, you know, loss in sta status because of uh, repeated mistakes. And if you forget about other people for a second and what they expect of you, then you can, you can probably not feel like a failure. Um, I think it's usually when people depend on you as well. That's a big one for people because mm -hmm. you let other people down, um, which really isn't the case. Now, what just came to mind is when it is the case is like, uh, Definitely there can, if, if in a family, um, as a parent, you can, I think you can definitely let someone down, let your children down. If you, if you, if you're abusive, if you're an alcoholic, uh, definitely I would hold that person responsible for, um, influence, negative influence, not determination. I don't believe in, in being determined by external circumstances, but I do believe in the influence that those factors have. But I'm, I'm starting to trail away, but we started on status and, and there's so many factors to it yeah. all. Yeah. Maybe there's a, if you broke it down into the pyramid of societal failure, individual failure maybe you can start to it starts to become more clear like where do you think you failed right with the individual do you, do you think you failed to other people in the social realm or do you think you just failed yourself and then you can start working with their mind and seeing where they're wrong because they're probably wrong um unless someone else is was hurt you know physically mentally emotionally by their by their mistakes what kind of other fears are there than apart from fear of failure that's a good question because apart from the irrational fears of like spiders and those sort of things yeah that's a good question because i'm not sure i, I mean in my education there's always the the macrocosmic perspective of things where there's only one 
fear? Which is? Just fear of failure. Okay. Like, and what about anxiety? Is that not a sort of fear? So, yeah. Or, is like that, a, or does that link with fear of failure? Well, does it? I mean, so if fear of performance, fear of fear of not appearing the way you thought you appeared and who you who you thought you were. I mean, I think it all goes back to identity and and just not being the person you thought you were in that moment, right? The realtor realizes they can't sell houses. What kind of realtor is that? So then their identity is questioned due to their perform lack of performance. So it all goes back to a fear, you know, an identity crisis, really. Um, social anxiety, you know, fail failure there at being a sociable person. Um, fear of, uh, of, of, of school, you know, lack of education, not being a, an, an ideal mind, fear in relationships, uh, uh, not being an ideal mate, um, fear of sex. A lot of guys have fear of sex, not being an ideal partner. Um, so if we take all these individual sp specific circumstances, and go back far enough, we can see that it's it's a failure of, of identity. Fear of failure, yeah. Yeah. Um, and now, if a person was to overcome with their fears, then in the long term, would they not have a boring life? They wouldn't have a boring life if they were not overcome, if they were- If they overcame with their fears, in uh, long term, would their life not be boring? Oh, yes. That's a really good, that's a good observation. Um, I was actually just talking about that with uh, my director at NASA. Um, there is a certain sense of, of failure that's needed, right? There's a certain sense of, of chaos that needs to be mm -hmm. introduced to our routine in order for our life to make any sense, right? In order to have progress, there has to be an uphill climb. So if it's just flat, there's not really much going on, which is good sometimes, but bad if there's too much. In the long term, yeah. Yeah, in the long term. We wanna have, we wanna have climbed uphill and done something, made something of ourselves. That, that assumes that, um, well, that presumes that we need to try to do something harder than our current circumstance, right? That, that presumes that we're starting from a lower point, which is good. That's what we, we should recognize that. So if we don't have that, we, we have a life of mediocrity. The mundane becomes our temple of worship and too easy, uh, too successful, um, eventually comes back to, to haunt us. Okay. That, those are all my questions on failure and fear. I think we started out, our first episode is about social anxiety, I think.
That was a few, I think third episode, the first episode was about the five levels of the mind. So when, when, uh, when I did this last Zen mind workshop, uh, with about 60 kids and some parents and some youth leaders online, um, we had them, we had them write out all their fears, right? Some people didn't write anything, but I had a whole spreadsheet of fears. It was amazing. They were amazing fears because they were all the same. Almost every kid wrote down the same thing. They were all slightly different, but it was the same fear. It, it was just a fear of, of performance, not, not achieving the goals set out and they were all slightly different but it when you when you lump them all together fear in and of itself became this uh, one thing you know not being a human not being the human you thought you were it was amazing it was a really it was a really profound uh spreadsheet um, and the data was incredible and um I didn't have a lot of time. I, I, I only had like 45 minutes to speak and I, I didn't quite get a chance to address everything. And I tried to, I tried to get to it, but, but I ran out of time, but I wanted to go through each individual one and kind of point out how, um, number one, it's okay to fear something. It's okay to fear school or your parents' expectations or death which were some of the fears. It's okay to have these, these, crisis, these crises. But um, when we bring them out into the conscious mind and look at them for what they are, we can kind of help mitigate their impact. You know, for example, with school, the fear of, of performance, we can study and study more and study hard. And worry can be replaced with concern. And concern can be replaced with preparation. And in the end, if nothing goes right, yet we were prepared due to concern to replace worry, then we cannot be upset. We cannot be mad at ourselves. We cannot feel like we have failed because we tried. So as long as we try and put in effort, then it's illogical to think that we have failed. It just, it doesn't make sense. It's not fair to the individual. If you don't try, then, then we can go back and some of that shame can be warranted perhaps. And perhaps we can, we can, motivate ourselves through that feeling to do better next time. But if you put in a hundred percent or more effort, I don't understand. I don't see the failure, you know, because at the end of the day, there are other factors at play. There are subjective factors uh, that, that cannot be overcome and you cannot fault yourself. I think, 
maybe that's maybe that's too easy but i don't know that's what I, that's what i would tell a young person who you know is is worried about their parents expectations at university or um you know trying to succeed at at, at at something, but it's just not working, you know, you just have to pivot. Sometimes you gave it your all and you just, if you pivot, you know, maybe you are avoiding ultimate failure and you're transferring, transforming that, that energy into another Avenue. Perhaps you can transcend failure that way. Do you think it would be too broad to say the majority of people have a fear of not realizing their potential because as kids we have so many ambitions right ambitious like usually i think it's in a kid's nature and then dreaming of what they'll be in the future but then as you're growing older you, maybe you have the same views or maybe your views have changed for yourself in the future but when you see that you're not heading in that direction then you might start really beating yourself up about it yeah because of that fear of not realizing yeah that's control. huge that's huge in today's world it maybe that's always been a thing in history i don't know i don't think so i think um when we had more lineage uh caste systems in in world cultures when 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 his father made shoes so the son's going to make shoes and his son is going to make shoes i think we had a different a different uh set of responsibilities mm -hmm. and concerns and worries but today since we've uh liberated ourselves from genetic um classes we can and careers we can uh have a greater sense of of concern because there's too many options and and yeah. too many there's many more chances of fail failure <laughs> so uh yeah there's a there's a, a there's a well let me see there's a common sense of of fear of purpose and fear of meaning which i think is what you're talking about it boils down to purpose and meaning which is the foundation of our work here on the show and and, and my life um to kind of give people that that reassuring uh, benefit of the doubt that even the things you mess up on are part of your um, success, a part of your meaning. So keep. And even though there's so many options you can choose from, no matter which one you choose, you'll still learn from it. Yeah. You're still as long as you learn from it then that's still a positive outcome yeah and you you'll never know which the right choice will be or maybe the actual right choice maybe there are a lot of right choices and that's because you will learn from them and you'll become a better person in the end yeah so maybe yeah it's just not just one right choice yes there's no right one right choice um and, and that's that's where this that's where this podcast comes down to in the end is they're all right choices as long as you learn from them and other things as well in the, in the in the immediate yes in the in the individual life yes in the in the big expanded perspective of of a soul 
It's part of the journey. Part of the journey. It's part of the journey. It, it, it had to happen. The, 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 uh, the drunk has to do it. They need to do that. The murderer. The killer has to do that. Has to go down that route. In the individual case, not a good idea. In the, in the broad scheme of things, you know, if we could see life as a movie and you could, if you could see someone's timeline as a movie, the last hundred lives, you know, you could see, you, you would see them start out as the villain and eventually become the hero. And you would, you would, if you could, if you knew the movie, you wouldn't feel so bad about the, the villain, right? You would, you would understand what they have to do and what they have to achieve and what's going to happen. And you would have compassion. That's why, that's why mystics and, and, and yogis have this universal aspect of compassion because we, we believe in a movie like scenario where we start out as the villain, but we become the victor over many, many lifetimes. So we have, we have to look at it both ways for it to make sense, you know, because then we would, this podcast would be short-sighted. It would be too myopic. Oh yeah. There's, 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 everyone is going to do okay. Except for these people, these people are doing it wrong and they're failing, right? We, we would just be like everyone else if we believe that way, but to be able to expand our consciousness is to is to see the totality of, of possibility and to not, not cut ourselves short. Okay. Um, perspective is a very interesting thing. Um, an example I'd like to give, which follows what you were saying in a way. So when you're watching, let's say a nature documentary and you see, um, and you're watching it from the perspective of, let's say, a zebra family. And it shows a video of lions, let's say, killing the cubs of the zebras. And you feel really bad for the zebras because it's so sad to see yeah, the cubs dying. And yeah, um, but if you were looking at if you were looking at the same documentary, but from the lion's perspective and you were following their lives and how they were struggling and maybe their, their pack was starving and if they didn't find like any food soon, then they'd all, let's say, I'm over-exaggerating, but yeah, let's say they'd all starve. And finding that, those zebras, like then that saved the pack for maybe a few weeks, like that's a few weeks worth of their food. And then you wouldn't feel bad for those lines because you'd see it from their perspective. So yeah, taking in the perspective of the whole is important. And it's something I don't, I've seen a lot of people don't do. That was really a weird example. Huh? No, <laughs> but I was thinking of the Lion King song. It's a circle of life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it's, what it is. Yeah. You're spot on. And that that's, that's very difficult for people to see 
um, the circle of life, the, the entire thing that's going on, sad from one end, essential for the survival of another end. So which one is, which one is right? Which one is wrong, right? The answer is neither is right or wrong. Yeah. It's just the flow of consciousness, right? It's, and it's the same thing with humans. And it's, 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 it all comes back to the, the cycle of our existence, right? We're starting out at one end as the zebra, and eventually we become the lion. And then hopefully we, we evolve be into Mufasa. I mean, not Mufasa. Um, <laughs> <laughs> eventually we become the monkey sage. What, I don't remember his name. I don't remember. <laughs> but that's why uh, Jordan Peterson loves to t- uh, philosophize about Disney movies and, and, and mythological tales and everything, because they re- represent what we experience in our daily lives and our, in our lives as a, as a whole and our existence. They're a perfect representation of our path, uh, uh, the map of our life. So it is perspective. And we want, we want a broad perspective when we deal with things. We don't want to lose touch with that perspective. When we do, we experience suffering. And that's a famous Buddhist law. It's a Hindu law. When we lose, my guru's guru used to say, when we lose sight of what we really are, we have suffering. And uh, 2,500 years ago, a famous sage Patanjali said that the root of suffering is a misidentification, right? Or misperspective losing sight of of so who are we just to clarify who are what who are we who, who are we you and i but then you said beyond raj and quote, rojas um the quote if we lose sight of who we are ah um, yeah so the, the, the what that refers to is the soul that's who we are that's what we find in meditation. That's what we, that's what we find at the end of the path. We, we, we learn that we're not the body. We're not the life that lives the body. You know, Raj, you know, the identity of Raj is a father, but at the end of the day, I'm not a father. I'm just a soul with another soul. And then at even, even further deeper into mystic philosophy, there's only one soul. I don't have a, there's not a different soul here in this room. It's just that there's there's two different bodies, but there's only one soul and it's expressing itself differently in my daughter as she sleeps in her crib, 10 feet away. It's, it's me. It's also me over there. You know, a flame spit out from a bonfire is still they're both fire they're they're both part of the same essence but they're expressing themselves in two different forms now or two different bodies via proximity the flame is away from its source but given enough nutrients 
can become its own bonfire, but really they're the same fire and every fire in the world and every, every heat, every source of heat in the universe, you know, is, is from the same source. So it's, it's the ocean and the drop of water analogy or metaphor. It's, it's the, it's the individual and the collective, as you said. Essentially, only the collective is the, is the final state, not the individual. And we, okay, how do I phrase this? I don't know. I would just call it the collective consciousness because I can't think of a better word for it. Um, it That's the term for it. Oh, is that the right term for it? Okay. Yes. If you so, ask Carl Jung, that's the correct term okay. for it. So it, it has split up into all of us and is ex, experiencing everything through us. Yes. It was along those lines. Yes, that's correct. How would you phrase that, Bethel? I, I don't think I would. I, I mean... <laughs> The collect. I'll I'll just repeat it. The collective consciousness is experiencing itself through all of us. Yeah, the whole expresses itself as the individual, and the individual expresses the whole. It's a very um, Eastern concept. Abrahamic religions believe in individualism, duality, separatism. Right? They can never be the whole they can never be god eastern philosophy says i am that om tat sat om i i am i am everything it's the it's, it's the main difference and for throughout life you can experience some of those moments which would validate that i hope so that's the that's the mystic perspective I don't think it's common really, but when I go somewhere, we, we know whenever we go to the beach, for example, God bless being near the beach. Whenever we go to the beach, I, we, we always kind of Helena and I look at ourselves and we're like, look at all these people. They're, they're, they're all sitting on their spot, their respective spots in the sand. They have their kids or whatever. Some people are in the water. Some people are flying kites or whatever. And it's like, they, they're all living these individual lives, right? And beyond in, into their life, there's countless stories and experiences and other people and networking, you know, and at the end of the day, they're all the same thing, except they're divided up into different bodies. That's the mystic perspective. What's the difference? Like when you, when you see this mass of people, and maybe he works somewhere and she works somewhere else. And he has two kids, but she has one kid. But it's like, at the end of the day, the mystic sees consciousness. It's all consciousness. Awareness. My baby is no different than another baby. It's just two babies, two little squishy worms wriggling about wanting food. And then as they grow up, they... They, their consciousness expands to be more individualistic. It's a, it's a complete cycle when they, when they mature enough to where they come back to where they started, when they become the same thing, when I don't see myself differently than you, 
then, then we can really start to empathize with other people. We, then, we have, then we have Ender's Game. You know that, that story? Yeah. It's a beautiful story, right? The, 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 that's the best representation of empathy I've ever seen in a movie. But why? Explain. I'm sure the book is. I'm sure the book is better. But have you read the book or seen the movie or both? Movie. Yeah, it's an amazing movie. It's. I thought it was so profound. Um, and and this this boy is just this boy Ender is just. He's empathizing with these other life forms as as he is them. He's he's empathizing with his enemies. He's and and he he ends up becoming them for a moment in order to defeat in order to conquer their their lawlessness on the spaceship it's just beautiful feeling other pain and physically right the alien is the alien that is is the mother alien that's trapped is trying to contact him and he can like feel her pain and her loss and her confusion that's empathy it's not sympathy He's not, he's not agreeing or disagreeing with their position. He's just feeling how they feel. Very different. So that's, that's, the, that's the, a way to contact the collective one, the collective consciousness. That's a way to do it, is to empathize, to be compassionate, right? That's how you become the Dalai Lama. Like, that's how you think like that. That's how you become the saint, the Mother Teresa's and the Gandhi's. And it's like, well, we cannot, you know, we cannot um, adjudicate on that man's soul just because he's committed earthly crimes. He still has a chance for redemption. So this is a bit of a stretch now. Um... If there are other life forms, I mean, I say if, because, I mean, okay, yeah, I'll just say if for now. So if there are, then are they also part of the, would they also be part of the collective consciousness or would it be something separate? They would be part and partial as the phrase goes. We got be part of the same game. The consciousness knows no limits. You know what I mean? A consciousness knows no limit in expression. You're thinking of, of life forms, but consciousness is, is the atom. The atom. The source of, of material existence is consciousness. Yeah. I'm surrounded by different life forms in this, in this room like glass is an expression of consciousness. If you break it down far enough into its molecular substance, and then air, like the space in between objects, which is an infinite uh, distance away, broken down into the smallest particles of, of, of dark matter, that that's which which is 
comprises mostly of the known and unknown universe is dark matter. That's consciousness. So consciousness is experiencing your surroundings and that's what atoms are doing, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if consciousness is everything, I have to say if, right? So if consciousness is everything, that means so many things. The, the consequences of that belief are infinitely, can be infinitely interpreted. That belief can be infinitely interpreted to mean everything. And, and so many different things can come from that one belief system. If that's your belief system, what is not achievable? What is not possible? What is what is i guess that's it what is not possible because it 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 eventually means that you're everything i mean if you're everything you've already succeeded now you got to be careful with that belief system because you can't you can't you can't lose yourself in that, in the all, in the, you can't lose the individual in the collective because there'd be no point to you experiencing yeah. the individual at that point. So we have to come back to balance. That's why my guru, uh, my guru's guru was so good at explaining that where a lot of Indian mystics miss that point. They go, you're everything, your consciousness, your God. And then it's like, okay, well then what's the point? Okay, so you have to bring it down into relative terms. While that's relatively true on one end, you still maintain the relative truth of the other end of the individual. You still have that identity and that awareness. You may be everything in meditation or in a moment of clarity, but you have to eventually come back to individualism. And, you know, I don't know. 70, 30, 60, 40, you know what I mean? Um, the, the monks would say two thirds. You should be two thirds internal, one third external. So most of you should be maintaining that consciousness of I am you, while a part of you should be holding that, well, I am me too. And if we do that, we can successfully fulfill harmonious relationships, careers, families, business ventures, enjoying the mundane, it, 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 athletic pursuits, death. We can, we can have a, a harmonious balance in every way that consciousness expresses itself which is the goal. That's the goal of life. But it requires you to believe in that and to have an expanded sense of consciousness. If you don't, well, what's the point, right? Uh, if you are a materialist, um, a dialectical materialist, which is someone who believes in just whatever's in front of me is real and that's it. There is no speculation on what I am and what the universe is. And if I haven't seen it, it ain't true. 
right? That's a dialectical materialistic perspective. It's existential. It's, it's, it's has to be hard proof or else I ain't buying it. If you believe in that, it's very difficult to expand your consciousness. Empathy is very challenging. Why should you empathize with someone else that you're not and has nothing to do with you? Why should you, why should you try to succeed to a certain degree when, when nothing in the end will, will come of it? If I'll die and just sit in the earth and rot, then what does anything matter? Now, not every dialectical materialist existential perspective is nihilistic, but, uh, you know, that's the ending place for every um, existential crisis. What's the point of anything? And usually we get to that point around 40. If, we have, if we've been living a normal existence, because we get caught up in life, we get caught up in school, in family or whatever, in career, we get caught. Uh, uh, the carrot and the donkey, our, our, our awareness, our consciousness um, gets fixated on certain goals and we lose sight of our own death. Uh, we lose sight of the bigger things in life, the, the bigger picture. So we have about 40 years to get distracted and then eventually um, it comes back around that's what they call a midlife crisis um and and 40 could be uh, uh incorrect i would say it's around there uh, that's where most of my midlife crisis clients come from is 40s it's earlier nowadays a little earlier but because we're we're evolving faster um but um, sometimes it's more at this older individuals too, 50s, 55, right? When you're settled, your, your career is settled, your, your family is settled. Maybe your kids are old enough. You don't have to think about them as much. Uh, it gives you a chance to internalize, right? It gives you more moments of downtime. And then that's where these questions arise. And it's like, whoa, what, wait, what is going to happen when I die? So we need the relative truth. We need both. We need the balance to attain harmony, to attain a nicely fine-tuned instrument, as Socrates would say. Every string in balance and in tune with the other and played together creates music, beautiful music. That's a, there's a beautiful um, speech on that in... Um, one of Plato's dialogues that Socrates is said to have, is quoted to have said, I don't remember which one it is. It must be, could be the Republic. Have you ever heard of the Republic? It's Plato's most well-known uh, dialogue or discourse, I should say. Uh, he, he, he wrote like 25 or 27 discourses or something. I could be wrong about that. Um, I had a chance to read all of them in the monastery. It's thousands of pages of literature, uh, but it's, it's timeless, truly timeless work. And uh, I always get depressed <laughs> when I read it, uh, depressed about my own work and my own skill. <laughs> <in writing. laughs> like, oh man, I'm a fraud. Every other writer is a fraud compared to Plato. 
if that if you're not an emerson a plato or a uh, what or about a, maps of meaning or a peterson if if you're not if you're not writing on that <laughs> level you're a you're a fraud <laughs> you're just pretending to be socrates or plato actually socrates never wrote anything but epictetus amazing mm -hmm. stuff from epictetus marcus aurelius amazing mind um my guru you know amazing amazing ability to see complex issues and break them down into small pieces and so uh his guru you know is able to attract so many people to his teachings by by giving that relative sense of of of, of perspective right uh, if i were just to say oh everything's perfect everything's love um, you are everything, you know, it's all in God's hands. And that, that only goes so far, right? Because eventually the baby starts crying. And eventually the argument erupts, you know, the layoffs begin, the wars start again, the news cycle changes. And, and, and it's like, that kind of stuff only lasts so long. You have to have the, um, the other's perspective, the other side of the balance that, oh, oh, okay. I do have work to do. I am me. I do have to try. I have to, I have to assert my willpower in the, in the realm of, of reality in order to, in order to see the map and to, to get to the other end of the globe, right. To be, to be, um, to be a Truman in regards to the Truman Show movie, right? I, I can't just live, you know, on, on certain truths. I have to kind of keep exploring, keep failing, and eventually, you know, I'll attain some sort of balance. That, that's why we don't meditate all day. You know, I was at this, I was at this, um, this uh, religious conference once it wasn't a conference it was a retreat it was like a three-day retreat we were invited as monks to uh, to attain there was a big ceremony and on one of the days and it was a really it was a really wonderful thing actually but um it was a different religious sect of hinduism it was um it was uh monists it was basically hindus that 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 don't believe in in um, the individual, they believe in only in the God-like perspective, right? There's no duality in this, in this sect. They're monists. There's only one. And there's a consequence to that belief system, right? So when you're tested with duality, when you're tested with identity and individualism, you have to affirm the collective, okay? So I'll give a specific example. We're in one of the talks, in one of the lectures by one of the monks, and we're in the audience. And he's reading off questions. And uh, one of the devotees who's a parent, career person, family person, normal person says, oh, Mr. Monk, you know, how do I, how do I uh, hold on to my faith of, of monism, of, of the collective, when my son's birthday comes up? Because now we're starting to celebrate the individual. What do we do? And the monk says, you don't have birthdays. 
you don't celebrate the birthday. It's, it's useless. And I'm sitting there like, this guy's an idiot. Like, in other words, he may be right from one perspective, but he's incredibly traumatizing from another perspective. And he's destroying this, this child's perspective on life, right? Because of the social mirror. If the kid lived in a community, like a commune, and, and everyone did the same thing and you didn't go outside and, and, and uh, right? If you lived in, uh, what's that awesome book? The Giver. If you lived in The Giver and, and you, you were inside of a bubble and, you know, you were kept away from normal society, then that makes sense, right? As a monk, living as a monk made sense to do different things because we, we didn't have to deal with the social mirror. We didn't have to, to go to uh, another place and, and, live and, and cohabitate with other perspectives. We, we only had to keep our perspective. We were safe. But this kid is going to grow up screwed up because he's going to have to reflect his perspective against a multitude and variety of other perspectives. And it won't make sense. And it's like, eventually he'll have a crisis and he'll, and he won't understand why he had to grow up the way he grew up. It won't seem fair. It won't seem right. And, um, if it does make sense, he'll have an incredibly difficult time defending his position because this world is meant to test us, to test our position. And um, to have a different opinion without flexible, without flexibility, and to, to, to be so rigid um, is going to keep your worldview fairly small. And fairly, um, in my opinion, you know, fairly uninteresting. The longer it's internalized, the harder it would be to change. Is that also true? Sure. Oh, of course. Of course. Institution, you know, ideological, you know, Arthur, if you're listening, this is ideological possession, right? This is an ideological institutionalized philosophy. So he, you know, taking away birthdays from a kid is like a death sentence. I mean, what? That's the point, though. Like, maybe he's right, right? Oh, he, the, the boy is a soul, like part of the collective, and he's perfect, and he's, he's God, and all that stuff. On one level, but that context matters. Yeah. But in the world, that won't matter as much. Now, my, my guru said, okay, let's have the birthday. Let's let, not for the monks, but <laughs> the monks didn't have birthdays, but, but to the devotees, no, live your life. Live life to the fullest. Make as much money as you can. Have a wonderful relationship. Go for the, go for the top position at the company. Don't settle. 
you know? So this Snowball. was another, another example of perspective where one of the monks maybe didn't take in the whole perspective. Well, or maybe, well, maybe I'm wrong. And with this, you should have taken the individual perspective. So yeah, Karen. With with this lecture that we were at, right? The, this was a community. Of, this was a whole different sect of of Hindu. This was a whole different belief system. And we see we we always we see the devastating effects that it is having on the next generation because they're like, well, no, I'm not going to do that. Mom and dad may do that, but I'm not going to do that. And so those Hindus are losing their faith because of those extreme fanatical views, which again, may be right in the end, but it doesn't make it right in the moment. The means don't justify the end. Right. That's a tangent, but I thought that was a good story. All right, so quick shout out to all the listeners. Thank you for paying attention this long. We appreciate you. We love you. Um, you're a part of us. You are us. It's a collective. <laughs> and um, so let, what we're going to cover some uh, stuff next week that you will be very interested in, ego balance. And I'm just calling that out there. I'm, I'm making us responsible because now I've put it in the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, be sure to go to Amazon. Check out the show notes. Go to Amazon. Buy my book. Everything is your fault. It will change your life, I think. Um, and it's on pre-order. It goes out officially in a few months. So keep a lookout for that. And if you buy it now, it's actually cheaper, I think, on Amazon. And then they raise the price right when it comes out. ZenMind Academy is... Um, our official 501c3 nonprofit organization that we are disseminating information from. Be sure to go to zenmind.academy to to learn about who we are, what we're doing, how you can help and how you can be helped. And especially if you're a parent and you have a kid, uh, we will train as low as 11 and go up to um, 35. If you fall in that category, we can, you can be sponsored, you can be trained with us, um, and donations will help pay for your training. Uh, if you are uh, able to donate, if you're able to give, if you're able to support in any way, let us know. And um, we can get that going, have a conversation. You can always reach me, Raj, at rajanshankara.com. And uh, if you just Google Rajanshankara, you'll find a way to connect with my work. And what else? Those are the main projects going on right now. Rokas, any 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 uh, farewell thoughts before we see these folks again? Thank you for listening. And Absolutely. Have a great rest of the day and week. Yeah, I got a tagline, Rokas, for t- that we're going to start ending on each episode. You're ready now that so we now we have an intro song. We're going to yep. end the tagline. Okay. All right. So every episode is going to end with. My win is your win is our our win. win. (laughs) All right. Have a great week. You too. Goodbye.